Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. <laughs> Your weekly look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. Who are these voices invading your earlobes, you may be thinking? Great question. We are your new hosts here on Drinking Socially. Uh, Quick intro, I'm John. I'm 36 years old. I've been an untapped user for about four years now. I've got a little over 1,300 unique check-ins, which is the measurement I use to qualify myself (laughs) on untapped. Uh, Before I worked at untapped, I was a retail market manager, uh, basically helped set up some growler stations, and I used Untapped to keep up with local beer trends. Awesome, John. And uh, my name is Harrison. So I am 31. I've been using Untapped since about uh, 2014, sometime in there. I have now a little bit more than 800 unique check-ins. Before I worked at Untapped, I actually was working in uh, multiple commercial breweries all along the East Coast for better part of 10 years uh, doing everything from sales to production, brewing, cellar work, uh, actually involved in our barrel aging program for a while, and uh, finished up my brewing career as the guy who kind of trained all the new brewers coming in so they weren't uh, didn't actually, actually decapitate themselves uh, on the keg washer. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Drinking Socially is released bi-weekly on Wednesdays going forward and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm, Wonderful. So let's spend some time now getting social while drinking. Ooh. Yeah. We're we're going to talk about this guy here in a second. In a second, right. While we're pouring these beers out, I felt like this might be a great time to just kind of get to know each other here on mm-hmm. the air. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to begin just by asking you, Harrison, if you were a type of beer, what beer would you be? Right. And my gut reaction is that I'd, I'd probably be an English bitter because I like the rain and Argyle sweaters and pipes and I'm grumpy, but only on only on the inside, really. And it's you know, a great style of beer. You can really enjoy uh Hot, cold, doesn't matter. It's, it goes with everything. <laughs> that is, that's surprisingly me. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like um, so uh, for my answer to that, I'm going to have to say it's not based on the beers I drink most often, but I'm pretty sure my wife would agree with you. I would be a sour. Um, not wild fermented, but specifically <laughs> lab-created sour beer. <laughs> Initially, this would be a beer that kind of scared most people away, but <laughs> the hope would be that sure. once you tasted it, you wanted at least to try it one more time. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I concur there, John. That's good. All right, let's take a trip down memory lane. What is, what's your first beer memory, John? Well, uh, it's it's hard to it, it's beer, so it's <laughs> difficult for me to place the first one. But when you ask that question, the first beer memory that comes to mind, I was working my first real job in a proper kitchen. You know, it was a little mom and pop place, and we worked. It was some of the hardest work I remember doing. Um, one day we had a particularly long shift. I worked a lunch and a dinner shift, and the owner, who was this. Uh, archetypal Vietnam vet, uh, hardworking man just came up to me and he said, Hey, do you want a Ho Garden or a Bud Light? And I froze. I panicked. Right. I didn't, I wanted to seem a little bit more refined than my college Bud Light drinking days. <laughs> so I told him I'll take the Ho Garden, wondering if I pronounced it right, right and never looked back. I was in the grocery store the next weekend asking for Ho Gardens, getting laughed at, no idea what I was talking about. And here I am 15 years later, over 1,300 of those experiences. And I'm always looking forward to the next right. one. Looking for the next Ho Garden. Yeah. We, used to, we used to call us hoagies for some reason. I don't know. It's probably a better way to ask for them. <laughs> right, give me that hoagie. That could get, in Philly, could get confusing because that's also a sandwich. Um, all right. for yeah, so, so for me, this kind of conjured up two parallel memories. Probably the, like, the first beer I ever had was a Natty Light. And it, it was in a can, and it was in a garbage can, like a trash can at a house party. <laughs> not, a, not And it wasn't empty. It was like that was the vessel just, everyone decided would be good to fill with ice and beer. When I got there, it was filled with water because the ice had melted and a couple beers kind of bobbing in it. So I drank a warm, wet, natty light. And it kind of, I'm sure it like mostly fizzed in my face. I opened it up. 
Um, and, uh, and I remember drinking it and just being like, Ooh, this is warmer than I thought beer would be as if like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which we all know temperature is something you can control the temperature of your beer. But at the moment, I, I guess I was t- taken away by the, the scene and the, and everything going on. Um, so that one probably like the first, probably my first beer experience. So like, I'm trying to timeline wise place. I also remember having a Newcastle Brown Ale or, Anuki Brown. I don't know why I have a nickname for everything. Anuki Brown's what we call it. that was like my dad's go-to. Uh, just snagging one of those out of the out of the fridge and kind of like having a an awakening of like, ooh, this is also a beer and not yellow and fizzy and decidedly cool colder than the than the natural <laughs> out of the garbage can. Um, you know, and wanted to know more about uh, that. So that was definitely like a and I feel like for a lot of people that beer uh kind of opens up the doorway into more uh more the styles that are all out there uh, both your first warm and cold mm-hmm. beer uh, from the brewer um a question that i often ask people when we're talking about beer i never want to ask what your favorite is it's too hard right. to discern but uh harrison what's your go-to uh what's your what's a beer you're grabbing out of the fridge sure. first yeah so right now june you know summer it's getting hot out so i'm kind of every year i go through like this mini quest where i try to find my summer beer what am i what's going to be my go-to for this hot humid uh next couple of months and so recently i had uh guide beer from uh from sweetwater which is their lager uh, it was great it's super sessionable a lot of flavor to it as well um and also i've been enjoying the cannibalist series from oscar blues where they always have a new one coming i think they have a hazy uh ipa it's like a rotating ipa series right now that i had and i had the tropical one before that both of them were great so i'm definitely kind of looking forward to revisiting that uh you know as it keeps getting hotter out in the next one they, they uh roll on out but yeah this time of year i'm kind of you know i'm, I'm grinding towards try to gravitate towards lagers but once it gets real hot i know the berliners are gonna pull me in as they always do and go for that nice tart uh porch drinker which is it's any day now i'm sure that'll kind of dominate the uh the choice for me what about you john uh, it's a it's a, it's a tough question to answer. I mean, the reigning king of beers for me is probably something like a lactose or just hazy IPA that you can only drink one of. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the beers I drank probably the most of is uh, Saranac used to make a beer called Disruption. Yeah. It was in a nitro can. It was mm. a nitro brown. Saranac, if you're listening, I will <laughs> buy those from you myself. Right. Um, but. Honestly, my go-to, no matter what the day is, no matter if it's early in the afternoon or early in the morning, it's uh, it's been a session IPA or a mm-hmm. pale ale, yeah. something that gives me you know the flavor uh, that I'm looking for, and more than just a yellow fizz. Um, so I'm I'm blessed in that there are so many to choose from. Uh, Sierra Nevada's hazy little thing yeah. is probably still oh, in my man. fridge right now. Um, I, I I'm I'm always looking for that beer that I can repeat. Yep. Yeah. They all rinse and repeat. That's uh right. It's good. That's the, the definition of a great go-to John, tell me kind of what's your favorite part about the growth of the, of craft kind of as a culture, as a biz, obviously it's, you know, it's been a pretty wild couple of years and beer is everywhere now. Um, and yeah, what, what, tell me a little bit kind of feedback about that, uh, for you. How's that been for you? It's, I mean, not to get too far into my background, I come from an incredibly small town and eventually moved to Buffalo. But um, through both of those cities, I think the great part about craft beer is the community that it brings. I've relocated a few times and I travel less frequently than I'd like. But one of my favorite parts is whether I'm living in a new city or visiting one for a weekend is finding that local brewery, tap room. I'm almost always able to find some people that I can get along with. The drinks are locally made and uh, usually interesting. That's really exciting. Uh, I might score a good bite to eat there, listen to some local music. But generally, just it's a place I feel like that just cultivates part of that community that I miss from growing up in a small town. Mm-hmm. Very similarly, you know, you think about growth, think about, you know, things getting bigger and more and all that stuff. But what, what this has kind of done, how kind of, I guess, how prevalent local breweries are is really kind of focused on the small, focused on the local because you have so many great breweries in you know, every town and, you know, the world almost now, I um, mean, you know, it's all over the place. So, and, and how the brewery has kind of really become what it used to be that like the focus, the center of the, community period you know lots we're kind of can meet everybody there after 
um, after work. That's what it used to be like, you know, in, in, at least in the States, pre-Prohibition America, there was, you, know, you had, every town had their brewery. That's where you got a lot of your beer. This kind of idea of a regional or a national beer brand really didn't exist uh, until after Prohibition. So, um, yeah, I'm excited that it's gone back to that. Of course, that just means, you know, you're supporting local businesses, you're getting fresher beer, really kind of, you know, being a part of that community and love that kind of, that really, I mean, Untapped helps facilitate that. You can you know, see who's drinking what near you and who released that beer right around the corner and let's all, you know, tell each other to meet there tonight and, and grab it. And I love that that's, it's become a real, a real focus for pretty much every community I've lived in. I've traveled a lot too. And everywhere now there's, there's great beer and a cool place to hang out and enjoy it, which is great. Couldn't agree more. Harrison, um, humble comes from Philadelphia. I think one of the great beer cities, they just got done with their beer week. I yeah. think it's the oldest yep. in the country. It is. Um, Philly has no problem finding good beer, <laughs> but a shameless plug for untapped, um, is that it really does. It's one of the social medias that I really appreciate. It allows me to keep in touch with friends, but find what's most yeah. important to me. I can type in a beer name and go get it yeah. reasonably provided. If, right. it's, if it's Dark Lord, no. <laughs> well, you never know. Right. You may see someone checking it in nearby and go knock on their door, go find out where they're, t- they're tagging great, their location. Great way go, to make hey, friends. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> At least maybe send them a message first before you show up. So speaking a lot about beer, um, I've taken a couple sips of this one, Harrison. Why don't you why don't you let it, uh, open the gates? Tell tell yeah. me about what we're drinking here first. Right. Yeah, let's do it. So the first beer today, and we're gonna you'll see kind of as we run through this, the and we'll talk a little bit more about this towards the end. But the we're gonna try and keep the format as as it has been for and do some some beer drinking now. So first one we have today is from Hen House Brewing Company. Um, they are out in uh, Santa Rosa, California. And we have today, their time is a flat circle, which is uh, an IPA. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. So and it's described as having, um, it's got mosaic and hume uh, Malone hops with Conan yeast and about 6.8 ABV. I've, it's rare that I see a beer description mention, make mention of the yeast, uh, Harrison. I, I know you're pretty excited about this one when you saw Conan yeast. Mm-hmm. I don't want to uh, pick your brain too much too early on, but uh, would you mind? W- would you please mind sharing with me why this Conan yeast is uh, is is inherently exciting yeah. for an IPA? Sure. So this is uh, in many ways kind of the the yeast that started it all for New England style IPAs. This is the yeast that uh, alchemists and uh, used in Hetty Topper. So it's also known as English Ale Yeast Three or Vermont Ale Yeast. Um, and it kicks off a lot of really cool flavors. It also kicks off a lot of haze. So um, those hazy IPAs in the early days, it wasn't just it wasn't lactose, and it wasn't just a bunch of wheat or flour or other things you can kind of throw in beer these days to create a lot of haze. It was oftentimes the hops, and then Conan. Conan kicks off a lot of haze during fermentation that uh, hangs around, especially paired with something like a Citra hop, um, and then um, you know the, if you're using a lot of um, a lot of grains that are uh, rolled, like you know, oats and and wheat and stuff like that too. So yeah, this is cool. We and I actually got a chance to use Conan once. We brought it in for. I think we use the a different, uh, a same strand from a different uh, company. We had the English, or maybe we had the Conanese. Anyway, um, yeah, and it was it was awesome. We uh, took our standard, our flagship pale ale, and brewed it with the Conan yeast to kind of use it as a yeast farm for a double IPA. So kind of wanted to get a couple generations of that yeast um, going and getting them real happy and getting them toned in and zoned in and used to uh, how we were operating and then, uh, and then pitched our IPA with it. And it's neat. I mean, it, it grows off like a lot of peachy flavors and stuff usually and much. it's a lot of fruit in the yeast, like drinking our pale ale with our house yeast and the Conan side-by-side. It, first of all, was crazy hazy. It looked like a totally different beer, even though nothing changed in the malt or the hop bill um, at all. But looked totally different, smelled like a big old peach milkshake, and was awesome. And this is getting a lot of, like, fruit and stuff from it, too. It's definitely the uh, Time of the Flat Circle, which is an awesome reference to the first season of True Detective, which I really enjoy. Any, anything Matthew McConaughey touches or even goes near... 
I'm there. I'm sold. So this is this is great. I haven't seen True Detective yet, but I'm very grateful. Uh, a good friend of likely all of ours, uh, Kyle Roderick, actually brought yeah. this beer in for us here to kick off the uh, new season of the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. The last time Kyle checked into this beer, he says, yes, I'd like a pint of existentialism with my IPA. Love this beer. <laughs> uh, that was about a year ago, uh, Kyle. Uh, thanks for bringing us the 2019 version. I yeah. uh, see Tim Mather checked it in with him uh, about a year ago. And a couple of my friends have had this beer. I always like to check and see who has drank it the most on Untapped. So uh, shout outs to you, Dustin and Sterling. You guys have each checked this beer in six times. I'd love to see who makes it to seven first. It probably <laughs> won't be me. Challenge accepted. Um, but it is still available right now on Untapped. If you're in San Francisco, there's a couple of locations that have this on the shelf. I'll pop on Untapped and check that out. But yeah, it's got a lot of, I mean, that's great. You know, Humo's a cool hot mosaic. It's pretty classic, but I'm getting a lot of. Mm. The, the the fact that the hop's name is, is, is Humo makes me think uh, that it, I'm tasting melon. Sure. In the beer. And stuff. Yeah. I'm sure it got its name partially, you know, uh, from the taste it throws. But uh, if you oh, didn't, yeah. if, if you didn't give me the hop build uh, or the yeast they use, I would still taste this beer with my eyes closed and tell you it's an amazing and delicious and juicy IPA mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. doesn't throw the haze I expect for most of my New Englands. At least it's not as cloudy as right. I'm used to. Yeah, it's definitely ha- yeah, definitely hazy and not opaque. Um, well described. So, and that is yeah, right. It's, yeah, turbid or whatever. It's just it's a nice hazy, uh, hazy beer. Yeah, and this is this is awesome. I'd love to know more about the grain bill because um, I bet you the Conan's doing a lot of the work from the the haze side of things. It's a pretty killer yeast, pretty pretty monster monster of yeast. It also that's the other thing when this when you uh, ferment this thing, it ferments very vigorously. So we would have like blow off buckets for our fermenters that would overflow with uh, with blow off as this thing was fermenting. It was so vigorous inside the tanks it would shoot it out of the the arms, and we'd have to you know mop the floors, hose it down, and stuff because um, it's a hungry hungry little critters. But awesome. I mean, that's that's great. To have, you want stuff fermenting quickly and vigorously. I want to be sitting around. So Conan will do that for you. But I think that was one of the reasons why we didn't use it all the time is because it's like a it's a mess to use it all the time. <laughs> it's like a chore in itself to have a whole you know cellar full of tanks always just exploding, crowsing all over the floor would be uh, yeah whatever. But anyway, it, this is a this is great. This is awesome. I, um, I, one thing I'm really passionate about, and I hope we get a lot of feedback from you guys on this, um, you know, hit us up on social media. That's what it's there for. Um, we're really interested in getting some of your feedback as we kind of, uh, build this season two, if you will, uh, drinking socially. Have you drank this before? Let us know what you think. Tag us in it. Uh, Yeah. If you check it in, please do let us know. Yeah. We want to really want this to kind of be powered by everyone listening and, uh, and you, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to see what you guys think, and if you guys can find it out there. But yeah, it's a couple of locations. San Francisco have it right now. So go check it out on Untapped. If you're not in San Francisco, uh, there are some comparables as well, uh, which is another feature that I find myself using pretty frequently when it's a beer that I just can't get my hands on. Right. Um, although Untapped tells me the Blind Pig is similar, and I know that's mm. also pretty hard to find, <laughs> but it is amazing. Um, oddly enough, uh, Untapped's telling me that. Alvarado's double cone hey. is similar, and I, that's next on the docket today. Well, what, so, a, what a lovely transition on tapped. How would you do that? Uh, um, Reading <laughs> our minds. All right, let's yeah, let's dive into that one. Sure, let's let's follow up a yeah an IPA with a big old double IPA. Ooh, yeah! Look out! Ooh. <laughs> this, this this beer had Conan yeast dropped right, into it right, right before canning, jumping out of the glass, it jumping is out of the on can. my head. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like is this a Gallagher show or is this a podcast? <laughs> All right, sweet goodness, cool. So yeah, talk to us about this one a little bit, John. So this one coming up, the spec sheet, uh, Alvarado Street. Uh, this is their double cone. Uh, IPA, Imperial, or double IPA, I guess, depending on where you're from or maybe how old you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Alvarado Street, pretty widely celebrated brewery out in Monterey, California. So, again, Kyle coming through to hook us up with some West Coast beers. Um, this particular one, 8.5 ABV, 85 IBUs is mm-hmm. marked. 
Um, carries a 4.11 on untapped, which is egregiously high. Yeah. Um, it's been around for about five years now. Uh, the description sheet reads, it's an OG double IPA. Nice. That's the baby brother of Triple Cone, which would probably scare me at this point. <laughs> um, it's a monster dry hop of Mosaic, Citra, El Dorado, which is pretty much industry standard uh, vernacular nowadays. Nice. Yeah. Um, with a clean fermentation that keeps it devilishly dank and lush on the nose, assertive, oily hop flavor and bitterness with a dry finish that kind of hides the alcohol and mm. makes it dangerously drinkable. This may become one of my favorites. Here we go. I love me a great, yeah, West Coast style. I don't see it enough. All right. Ah, cheers, cheers to you, Harrison. Yes, cheers, John. Here we go. Ooh. Oh, wow, Ooh. that keeps going. Mm. It's crystal clear, too, and quickly, like, dissipating head on there. It's like this nice kind of, like, coppery color almost straw like a little lighter than copper it, i haven't Ooh. seen an ipa that looked this color in two years mm-hmm. it's it's you can see through it you could read your newspaper through it early in the morning <laughs> 8.5 abv <laughs> take a nap yeah <laughs> um this is great this is uh in a world that i feel like is oversaturated with beers trying to be just a little bit different than the other beer this one uh, is both similar and incredibly different. That's such a cop out description. But well, no, but it's uh, it's a, it's classic West Coast. This is like a bitter bomb. The the alcohol comes with a little, like the, the warmth of it comes in just a little bit, mm, which I like for this style. This is this this is an IPA I could back porch with a cigar and call it a night. Right, exactly. Just yep, exactly. Just dive dive right into this guy a pool with this this is yeah you're right it could be a sipper we're probably going to drink it faster than we should but that's okay we're professionals it is it's it's very very bitter it i think that's that's the big difference that i'm adjusting to after after so long i mean as as ipa has tried to go away from a bitterness uh, this is a beer that embraces it and reminds you of what an ipa tastes like not what two years ago Mm -hmm. it was common yeah, I I really do. That's such a it's such a I mean things are all cyclical. It'll come around and there's obviously still a, you know a great following of West Coast IPAs and I absolutely love them, but right, you don't see them as much. Sometimes that's what I want. It's like a big old hot bomb to attack my tongue and <laughs> submit it with a yeah, yep, an arm bar or something. And that's what's happening right now. This is great. Man, I wish if only double IPAs weren't so boozy, you could drink like ten of them. But it is. It's my tongue is like dancing around right now. In, inherently, this is this is the beer that makes you feel better, right? Yeah, and that is a special kind of yeah buzz. The double IPA, the West Coast for whatever reason, double IPA. It's I was to take. I mean, flashbacks of like the year is two thousand, you know, and nine, and um, discovering in West Coast IPA for the first time, and yep, and it's and the, the, I got the whole world in my hands. This is great. <laughs> I got the whole world in my hands. Right. Hashtag. Um, I'm looking at honestly this one uh, widely checked in on Untapped. Yeah. So over four thousand uh, check-ins. Um, I've only got one friend uh, outside of the office here that's mm-hmm. had that. So shout out to you, Elliot. He liked it as well. Um, pretty much anybody that I have on my friends list is rated it right in tune with everybody else at yeah. four stars. And obviously, I mean, ratings are subjective, but if 3,000 people think this beer is above average, right. uh, that, that, that's, that that's a good something. Sure. It, it's a good barometer. Yeah. Um, and we've got a discernible winner, loyal check-ins, uh, Mike W. at 18 times. He's checked into this beer. Mike W., you are a champion, and hopefully that took a long time. <laughs> right, exactly. It was one horrible night. One great night and a horrible morning. <laughs> we've all had those. <laughs> Widely available at verified locations on the West Coast. You'll probably have to be a little bit lucky to find it over here on the East Coast, yeah. of course. But um harrison can i ask you i don't mean to keep resorting to your uh knowledge banks but in there. uh i remember 
not long ago when I was selling beer to people that couldn't, no one could name one hop. Mm. This is only five years ago. Right. Uh, people knew some of them that hops were in a beer. Right. Um, Centennial was the same right. as any other hop. They were all sea hops and they right. all sounded right. and did the same thing. Right. And now when I read Mosaic Citrell Dorado, I don't mm. even care what else the sentence says. I want that right. thing. Yeah. Um, do you know, is there any, uh, to your knowledge, is there, uh, is there a perfect trio of hops for dry is there a reason that i often see i mean citrus seems to be the most popular obviously right, again right, it's subjective right, right. no 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 absolutely so that's that's a really cool it's a great question and it kind of opens up let's see let's see how big this pandora's box is you may have to reel me in john so <laughs> so let's just focus on citra so and let's jump back to we're just talking about 2009 we'll go back there and Philly Beer, we were just talking about that. So that, in like 2000, we'll say like 9, 10, 11, maybe 9 and 10, that hop was like the hop of the moment. Citra was on the scene. I had like a, I was at an event and I had, with Great Lakes Brewing Company, they had their Burning River Pale Ale in a cask, dry hopped with Citra in the cask. And that was one of the first times I had it. And I was like, holy crap. With the brewer himself, uh, Bob was an amazing guy, and we can we got plenty of stories. <laughs> plenty of stories there, right? Focus, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> thank you, John. Good, the real. I'm on the hook. Um, so, Citra. Um, yeah. So that was a big deal then. And the way hop contracts work is you have to basically every year the demand for like a hop increases by twenty percent. They can only really plant like ten percent more of the hops. So they're always for a while we're always at a deficit. Now that like they would never had enough of the hops people wanted. There was always, you know, a squeeze on hops, premium hops like Citra, Mosaic, El Dorado now that's a newer one. And that changed a couple of years ago where like I guess they for a couple of reasons some breweries have walked away from big hop contracts for various reasons and the hop farmers kind of got bigger, there were more of them, they were able to plant more. And so Citra was this hop that was so in demand, so hard to get, and they kept planting more and more. But it takes four years for a hop rhizome to mature into a hop you can use in a beer. So that's a long lead time. So they've been planting Citra for a while because it was like the hop of the moment. Now there's there's more of it available. So um, it's still an, obviously an amazing hop itself, but that is probably why you're seeing so much of a lot of these hops. Mosaic, very similar story is that it's more available now than ever before. Um, and it's an amazing hop that then, you know, a lot of the breweries that are open now, were probably in the same position I was, you know, 10 years ago, how they're enjoying beers and falling in love with mosaic, which was a manufactured hop. That was a hybrid of a bunch of other hops that they made in a lab and the university of Washington made it. And then Citra, same deal. So it's available now so much. You see it so much because it was a big deal, around the time a lot of these breweries that we all see and, and enjoy now or a lot of those brewers are getting into this kind of around the similar same time that I was. Um, but yeah, so Citra's available now and that's why you're seeing it a lot. But it's still an amazing, amazing hop. There's a lot of stuff that um, really few hops do. I think, I think that's an often uh, untold bit. I mean, we, we, I'm sure at some point, I, I hope some of you request more Harrison stories about <laughs> hops. I mean, Citra comes from... Uh, largely uh, what would be kind of relatively bo- like Brewer's Gold, Golding's Hops. Mm-hmm. Like Citra had some relatively right. standard parents. Right. Um, and it was probably early on released to only a few breweries. It was, and yeah. then it gave us like Pseudo Sue and mm-hmm. Zombie Dust, like yes. the, the beers that kind of yeah. became uh, brands of mm-hmm. their own yeah. um, before it yep. became so widely used. Yeah. And again, yeah, the demand continued really a big reason for what I mentioned before that it kicks off a lot of haze. So you see hazy IPAs become more prevalent. How can we accentuate that? Have citra hops in it because it'll, it'll be hazy. It'll ferment and kick off a lot of haze while if you have citra hops in there. So that's a great combo. There are a lot of ways to look at that though. Like what are great dry hop combos? Should it be the same hops that are in the beer? Should it be different? It's really to each their own. The ultimate classic combo, though, is like the Centennial Cascade, and that's one I still love. Um, it's so fruity. It's so you know, orangey, juicy, but also a little bit piney. That's what Stockbridge at 60 Minute was exclusively. 60 Minute. Um, is that, am I off on saying uh, Two Hearted? Two Hearted is just, just Centennial. Centennial. Yeah. Yep. And that, yeah. But again, so, but yeah, like, so, like, and we dry hop with a lot of mosaic. We actually, benefited from a bigger brewery walking away from like 10,000 pounds of it 
and our rep was like, Hey, have some. And we were like, how much? And he was like, $10. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll take it. <laughs> I remember the day that pallet came in and I was just like, Holy, this is, I want to bathe in this. So mosaic's great. Uh, it's a air, very aromatic hop. And of course that's a, a, we're not even mentioning this and I'm kind of assuming it. These hops are super aromatic. That used to not be, hops are still divided into like, you know, basically bittering hops and aroma hops, like hops you use to make a beer bitter and, and that maybe don't kick off a lot of flavor. And then hops that have a lot of flavor independent of the bitterness that you can use later in the boil where you're really getting the flavor from the hops and not so much uh, utilizing the alpha acids that creates the bitterness. And all Eldorado, Mosaic, et cetera, dozen plus more are famous for that, having a lot of also and we, a lot of uh, yeah a lot of the, other the stuff. dry hop craze essentially the last moment you can add hops to a beer yeah you can right yeah in the cellar yeah I mean dry hopping is great there's some really cool stories that we can probably you know I can dive in later in the later podcasts if people are interested in it but like you know how like Deschutes will dry hop in the dark they'll shut all the lights off and open up the top of the fermenters and drop the hops in because they don't want the light to touch the beer because light is the ultimate enemy that's 100 um, true well right. maybe light air there's probably yeah, a couple sure, others right. um, Sure, but peanut butter. Yeah, you don't want to be. Don't, yeah, if you're having a sandwich, please don't be up dry hopping at the same time. You should probably not be. You should you're in the wrong. You should walk away and finish that sandwich. Um, but yeah, uh, they uh, yeah dry hopping is yeah, and, and that's. Uh, I mean, you could talk about that forever. There's some a lot of breweries have really cool approaches to it that we can talk about someday if uh, if there's interest there. But it's definitely a thing to do right now. And yeah, double dry hopping and triple dry hopping. You're, it just means you're doing multiple drops of hops. After the beer is finished fermenting, or right at the end of fermentation, over multiple days, to just grab all the aromatics out of uh, out of these things, and it takes a lot of hops to you, you drop with a lot of hops, like a lot of hops. Every time you keep saying dropping the hops, I always want to have J. Cole come in and follow up with <laughs> some Fayetteville, if North Carolina. Allowed, but right? <laughs> it's true. We'll get there with your request. Um, as as we're as Harrison and I are ingesting these uh, beers, uh, I want to I want to make it painfully obvious that please again let us know. Have you had these? You can reach out to us on Twitter. It's Untapped Podcast on Instagram. We're drinking socially, and on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash drinking socially. If you're really active, uh, there's a private group on Facebook yeah. where please join uh, us there. Harrison and I are going to be getting in there and asking for feedback hopefully answering some questions uh, people looking for places to grab a good pint locally and uh, using untapped as best as we can yeah if you'd love to show off your love from untapped i'd encourage you to check out our online store and pick up some untapped branded glassware uh, which we're drinking these beers out of right now. Indeed. Uh, grab a shirt, sweatshirt, hats, more. Father's Day just happened. It's not too early to prepare <laughs> for the for next. next. You never know. Also, as a really cool bonus, if you go to store.untapped.com, enter the coupon code podcast in your checkout on the online form. They'll ask you if you have a code. You're going to type in podcast, and that's going to get you 20% off anything 20%. you order. That's better than free shipping. It's going to be store.untap.com. Use the code podcast. Save 20%. Look fly. Check in beers. Drink with friends. Do that. Um, so if you haven't learned much about Harrison yet, he's lengthy, he's educated, <laughs> he's got a lifetime or two of experience, um, and I love picking this guy's brain about beer. So we're going to kind of keep with the tradition of old, sure. talking about a style of the week. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly yeah. right. I love this. I was talking about drinking socially, kind of just focus on a style, some history there, all that stuff. And I'll, I'll share a story today with one of my favorite styles of beer, although one Tough to enjoy more than one or two of the Icebox. Yes. Which also sounds cool. Icebox. What a great band name. If you're not, if you're looking for, if you're a heavy metal, a Truman heavy metal band, you're not, you're looking for a name, Icebox. Uh, so I'm on the Brewery Association breaking down kind of the style of it. Um, so they're saying it, color should be light brown to black. If you, know, if you don't know, appearance should be clear, chill Haitian be present. Uh, like a sweet malt character, super high. Hop aroma should pretty much not exist, as well as the bitterness, super low. 
Um, and uh, alcohol may be present in the aroma. Fruity esters, like bananas, cloves, and stuff can be evident, but not overpowering. No diacetyl. We'll talk about, you'll hear us talk about that a lot probably uh, as we go along. Uh, but alcohol, super high. So basically, this beer usually clocks in between like eight and a half and 14. So I'm seeing them as high as 15 or more percent. Um, super low IBUs. Um, it's dark. It's, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's almost black. And that kind of sometimes it has that nice purplish hue, brownish purple hue to them. So um, this is a cool style of beer. But to make it, it's uh, really unique. So Icebach, Icebach is basically what it's referring to there. That's what it means uh, in English. And um, they're not joking. It's not a play on words. To make this beer, you literally, you basically make a Doppelbach and you freeze it. No. <laughs> I've done that on accident. <laughs> right, exactly. Before. Yeah, you leave something outside in a snowstorm, or whatever, from Buffalo, John. I'm sure that, that happens. A lot of beers have probably <laughs> become icebox right? in, in Buffalo <laughs> by accident. Yeah, sure. So, um, but yeah, so and by doing so, by doing so, by freezing the beer, you're pulling a lot of water out of the beer. And since alcohol is measured by volume, you're therefore increasing the volume of alcohol. So it's really. Kind of how you make it. So, okay, sounds straightforward enough. I got to freeze a beer to make it. As a home brewer, pop it in your chest freezer. Good to go. As a production brewery, it's a little more, there's more moving pieces. So, we made one um, at uh, the brewery I was at be- the right before working at Untapped. Called, uh, the brewery is called Neshemony Creek Brewing Company, right outside of Philly. And uh, it was called Raid the Icebox. Awesome beer. I think we took it to a pro am once to the Gab Fund. It made some noise, but so so I was on the shift before it got uh, transferred to the Bright Tank. Like the last step before a beer gets bottled, keg, can, whatever, sit in something called a Bright Tank, and that's where we're going to freeze it. And we've done this before, um, but uh, when I was at the Creek, as I'll refer to it, it was out in a Shemini. They were, we knew we were expanding. We we're always adding new tanks and stuff all the time. So we had our glycol chiller, which is what glycol is a, like a food grade coolant every brewery uses. If you're in a brewery next time, you're doing a tour, and you look up in the ceiling and there are like pipes with black foam around them, um, it looks like, and a little bit of some valve sticking out. That's the glycol moving around the brewery. Um, so we had a huge one, huge glycol chiller because we knew we were going to keep, keep adding tanks and. Don't want to replace a glycol chiller if you don't have to. So we had a bigger one than we needed at the time, knowing we're going to get bigger. Great. So we thought that was to our advantage. We got tons of power here. This is going to be easy peasy freezing this beer. We'll just crank it overnight. Coming tomorrow, we'll keg this thing. We'll bottle it. We're good to go. Always, always. Right. So we got this. Right. We, exactly, exactly right. We, when you think you're ahead, just look for the the you know the tortoise sleeping in the woods or whatever someone's coming from behind don't be the rabbit and sleep under the tree that's what i'm trying to say so <laughs> so lo and behold walk in the next i walk in the next day and there's commotion in the back in the bright tank and i'm and i'm kind of like you know great cool we're gonna have an ice box now new beer i'm gonna go in taste it because i'm probably gonna have to keg this thing that's gonna be my job today it works so i gotta start with the kind of the SOP, which was, you know, one of the great things about working at breweries, you do drink a lot of beer. And one of the things you do before you keg something is you taste it to make sure it tastes fine. So I walk back there and open up the tasting port, which we call it a Zwickle, to ignoring the crowd of people that are obviously concerned around the bright tank. And I open it up to just kind of grab itself for myself and nothing happens. Nothing comes out. And so I'm sitting there kind of in uh, the you know early shift haze of like, well, I know there's beer in this. I know by opening this valve, there should be beer also in my glass. There's no beer here. What's happening? So I shut it, turn around and realize that uh, at that moment, one of the owners of the Chimney Creek climbs out of the top of the tank with a pickaxe in his hand and like a light, a minor helmet light in his head and just kind of disgruntled as all hell says, you know, ah, you know, this thing's, we, we froze too much of it basically. And that what had happened was we had, yes, have a powerful glycol chiller and froze way too much of this beer so much so that there was no way to get it out. Basically it made like a globe of ice around a little bit of beer. So we were challenged with freeing that, uh, beer from the ice, which we eventually did. Um, we were able to bottle that thing and, uh, it's an awesome beer, but the sight of kind of walking in the confusion of, where uh, where is the beer that I should be, you know, evacuating itself from this 
bread tank and then seeing someone, you know, really will climb out of a beer tank with a pickaxe. It's never <laughs> happened since. I hope it never happens again. Interesting postscript to that story is glycol is a system that's all connected. So you can't just cool, really can't cool just one tank down. You Theoretically, you should be able to, but sometimes when it gets really cold, it'll freeze open the valves to other tanks. And sure enough, the same time this is happening, we were trying to transfer our pale ale. And I'm looking over at that. A lot happened this day when I walked in. Looking over at those guys trying to transfer, and I think they were newer guys and kind of like, and I probably was training them. They didn't have the ice right, pick. Right, and they were, no, no, nice pick to them, but they were kind of standing there looking at the side class and kind of looking at each other and moving about a bit in kind of a panicked way because nothing was coming out of the side class. And what had happened was, is they were trying to transfer that beer, and that beer was also frozen. So it was our pale ale, super low ABV, which is the next tank next to the bright tank, and had uh, the uh, the valves in the back that controlled the glycol that moved around it froze open. So we lost to pale ale, ice bock was saved, um, and uh, yeah, it's the last time I made that beer before we got big enough, bigger to not have um, that problem happen again. More tanks to disperse that glycol through, but it was a uh, it was quite this sight. You don't see you know people with a pickaxe. It felt very I don't know manly or very classic or old school or Viking esque. Is there in in one sentence? Is there room in the world for an ice pale ale? Is it possible? Would sure. It, okay. Yeah, of course. I challenge some brewer to make it. But the moral of that story is you know, the beer gods giveth and the beer gods taketh away. And for ice box, they, they mostly take. Literally and, yeah, literally. Literally. Uh, but it's a delicious beer and it'll it'll put you on your behind just a, you know, a pint of it. I think ours came out about 11% when we were done with it. But we've had them be like 13 or more. And for a while, the most alcoholic beer in the world, which was the Sink the Bismarck, was like a yep. 30% ice box. That's really the only way you can get beer to be that boozy is to suck all the water out of it, which, of course, you lose a lot of volume there and don't make a lot of beer. So financially, ridiculous, but delicious. Also and bragging. Logistically rice. ridiculous. Yeah. Really all around. <laughs> Mainly bad, but, you know, <laughs> you don't need to slam dunk to score right, two exactly. points. Exactly. And really with that beer, like the, it's, it's almost like the proportional, the amount of alcohol you get for the amount of work you have to do is, it's proportional. It's a boozy beer. So you, you know, your back hurts at the end of the day trying to chisel it out, but have a <laughs> pint or two of it and what back? What it, pain? <laughs> the, I believe the Germans are credited with creating the yeah. ice wine. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm familiar with this. I grew up in Buffalo, and sometimes the grapes would just freeze um, right on the vine, and, and they didn't have glycol chillers. But a no. uh, similar story in conception, you would take the frozen grapes off the vine and use those to press wine. You get a much higher right. bricks count, sugar right. measurement. Yep, yep. Um, and sure. at the end of the day, it turns into a wine you can sell for more money, there but probably go. had to work twice as hard to get. Right, yeah. There's always a no, no biological free lunch. There's always a cost of something. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but that was a funny, funny story. One that I will always remember. Just, just you know, I don't know even why we had a pickaxe in the in the brewery. Maybe it wasn't the first time it happened. <laughs> I will never drink an ice box again without remembering that story. Sure. And honestly, sometimes I drink these beers. I cracked open double cone. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, eighty-five minutes ago, or however long it's been. <laughs> and uh, you know, a, a lot of times you forget uh, whether you love craft beer or you just love the way it makes you feel. Sure. That there was somebody, hopefully not taking an ice pick to <laughs> the tank, but you know, this is something that real people get up and go to work for and there's there's math and there's art and there's science mixed together in each of these cans and and hopefully it's something that we can all appreciate together yeah absolutely um that being said um just celebrating diversity it generally helps out um so for the rest of this month if you haven't earned it yet you can check in any beer until june 30th and you'll unlock uh, our, our first pride month badge um, and if you use the photo editors, because I do, take pictures, yeah. um, add some funny stickers on there. There's a couple of stickers that we've added to the photo editor uh, in-app as well. And since we're talking about the app uh, through all that, I'm hoping that most of you, and we have a great update um, community in Untapped. A lot of people are always getting on the new version of the app, whether it's iOS yeah. or Android. Uh, 3.4.5. 
which is a fun thing to say. Three, four, five <laughs> just launched not too long ago. Uh, we're hopeful that you guys are finding uh, some of those new updates and fixes to be beneficial. Yeah. Um, honestly, on our end, when we're building an update to the app, some of it comes down to coding and technology, and some of it comes down to you know who is who who is barking the loudest. Right. So a lot right. of times the new <laughs> a lot of times the new <laughs> updates come from feedback from you guys at any point go to help.untap.com let us know what you think do you like the update are the things you're missing uh the two key important parts for me are being able to share my check-ins out to instagram a lot of my friends use instagram a lot of them are trying to become influencers um, by taking a picture of every beer can they open with their (laughs) pomeranium behind it and a self-tiled epoxy river table at the end of the day i think it's really cool that i can check in my beer on untapped and that for me is my Instagram. I just tag the cool beers I'm drinking. That's my that's my Instagram life. I don't have a Ferrari, um, but how's that been working for you guys? Is it beneficial? Um, bugs? Let us know. Help. Untap. Um, another feature that I really like about the updated uh, Untapped app is being able to hide my badges. And three years ago, I would have never asked for this. Right. Um, but as a an accomplished badge earner now, um, you know, leveling up my core badges is something that kind of gets in the way of some of the unique ones. Um, and I really like to make sure I just spend a minute and read about them. It's mm-hmm. it's me personally, but you know, it's I like that instant gratification. Um, and I'm drinking the beer; I'm already winning. But um, if any of you are gearing up for your twenty five hundredth unique, um, or you're running through. <laughs> beer after beer after beer because it's fun you like the chase if the core badges have been getting in the way for you um, there's now a way to hide those level ups if you go into your settings you can turn the level badges off and we won't let you know about them again until you hit level 100 at which point pat yourself on the back yes hell yes on level 100 mountain climbed move on to the next (laughs) plenty of badges out there that's great Awesome job. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff. As there is every month, there's always new things going on here, which is uh, fun to always, uh, always be seeing, experiencing, checking in new things. Historically, it's been the norm of, you know, every some beer articles every week. And so we're going to kind of jump around that today. We actually spent a lot of time with the Q&A in the beginning and uh, some shared stories and stuff. Uh, we kind of want to finish on uh, like some thoughts about what's going to happen, you know, next in uh, in the po- in, in this podcast, what the future holds, um, and uh, and really just again, want to. We said a couple of times, but but echo back that we'd love to hear, you know, from you guys. I'm you know personally really excited to share, you know, the my, about my time in this business and stories, the the PG rated ones at least, give some insights into the. Uh, industry, you know, answer questions, whatever you got, whatever you're wondering about. There are breweries you want us to reach out to to have, you know, interviews with. We're going to start doing that. We actually have a nice, cool new interview segment. We have a pretty big brewery lined up to start that a good friend of mine now um, runs. Just recently was promoted to the director of brewing operations. So that'll be cool. But if there are other places you want us to reach out to or things you want to know or stories you heard that maybe are true or maybe aren't or whatever, you know, Use us for that resource, and we'll do what we can to get whoever uh, is interested uh, on here with us so we can kind of, yeah, share some stories all together. I couldn't agree more. I think the most important thing about a podcast is, uh, you know, what do I get from it as a listener? Um, so for you guys, I mean, we're more than happy. Um, Tim and Kyle both kind of communicated with us a lot on this handoff. Uh, we've been listeners to the podcast. We've been following the social media, and we both really enjoy beer. But what's most important is, I mean, what do you guys do? You, are, do you guys want to hear about upcoming beer and brewery related news updates? Are you interested yeah. in getting some homebrew tips from Harrison? Because um, they'll take a long time. <laughs> um, are, do you want to hear about beer and food suggestions? Are you planning a Fourth yeah. of July picnic and you want to make sure you pair your IPA with the right this and that and the other? Sleeve the shirts. Yeah. Hot dogs yeah. is the answer. <laughs> but ultimately, this podcast should be something that 
you guys have input in. We value your check-ins. We value your feedback. And let us know what we can do to make this a little bit more beneficial for you guys and, and girls. Yeah. Yeah, please do. That's what I'd love to spend most of the podcast just answering what you want us to do and uh, yeah, and then see where that takes us. It's that time. I think it's that time, John. This is formally noted as the outro. Right. As it should be. Um, and as always, where can they where can they find us, John? Well, online you'll find the show notes at podcast.untapped.com. Yep. Um, that's gonna be where you find the newest episodes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any questions, feedback, obviously we're reaching here. We want we want these <laughs> questions. Ask Harrison what else he's done with that ice pick. Exactly. Um, Why was it there? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You're going to find us on Insta, Drinking Socially, um, on Instagram. On Twitter, it's going to be Untapped Podcast. And on Facebook, just check out Drinking Socially. Um, all those are going to be a quick, easy way to get in touch with us. Let yeah. us know what we can do. Tell me how you use Untapped. Tell me what your favorite beer is. Tell me what your first beer memory yeah, is. I think this I'm is sure going to be that. some fun stuff to unpack. Maybe some fun stories yeah, with my you gosh, guys. Exactly. Every other Wednesday morning, new podcast episodes and about the interviews. Harrison, what are we doing? Are those just added content? Right. So yeah, it'll be it'll be in a whole additional. The plan now is it'll be a whole additional episode where it'll be you know bi monthly. We'll have you know hear from us in the format you're all used to, but to supplement that, kind of like a thirty minute or so conversation we'll have with whether they be you know brewery owners, head brewers, industry reps. You know, beer writers. I mean, uh, there's really no limit there. Um, if they're involved in the industry, we can talk to them. They have some cool insights and stories and stuff. We'll, we'll try and get them on here. But uh, yeah, that'll be something else to look forward to, too. And we'll definitely, of course, as we get those lined up, talk about them here um, and let you know when those are going to be added. But I'm excited for that. There are uh, a lot of people out there doing some really exciting things now. And to shed some more light on it, uh, it's really. Uh, great use of our time and um, in this podcast. I'm excited to, to do that. Uh, until next week, that's going to do it for us over at Drinking Socially. Cheers. Cheers.